Hi, I'm Charlotte. And hi, my name is Greg. And together we are the Cancer Twins. Not because we're twins, but because we're siblings um, and I'm Cancerian. And I'm a Gemini. And we both happen to have either lived through or are going through cancer. I've uh, been dealing with cancer. Greg, who has uh, overcome his? Yeah, I was uh, a childhood patient of uh, Ewing sarcoma. So it's a bone and tissue cancer. Uh, I was diagnosed uh, as a teenager. Yeah, that was when Greg was 14 um, and he's now in his 30s. And um, I am a little bit older than Greg. I'm 35 and um, I recently got diagnosed with breast cancer. So it's quite new for me. And this is why we thought this was important to talk about. So this is about our experiences, what it's like. This is quite real. So um, we're very positive people. This is designed to be positive and inspirational and also a place, a platform to speak about these things. But we also will not be um, covering up some of the harsh realities as well. So if any of these subjects about cancer um, and the implications are triggering for you, then this channel might not be the one. But if you'd like the real and um, input on what it's really like and, and what it's like to live with, but also beat cancer and um, the positives as well as the negatives, then this could be very therapeutic. And hopefully this is gonna be therapeutic to us. But I must know, we are not doctors, we're not medically trained, we are not um, psychologists. Um, and all of the opinions that we give are our own from our own experience and may not be reflective, of course, of anything else. Uh, this is not advice, this is just talking. We felt that this was a really good opportunity for the two of us to reflect and discuss what it's like, especially being in such a unique situation where you've got two siblings where this is where this has happened to. So this might really resonate with some people who are going through a similar thing or they've seen a loved one go through it. So this is really just to let you know that you're not alone. And from the perspective of someone who's come out the other end and uh, sadly the perspective of someone who uh, is the beginning at the beginning of, of that tough and challenging journey. Yeah. So without further ado, let's begin our chat. So Greg, I think let's start with you because uh, just tell everyone a little bit about the situation that you were in. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's, sadly this does start with me. So um, I was uh, a young boy, a mere boy, um, sort of living my life um, sort of very uh, physically active, very uh, sporty, very fit and healthy. And um, my journey starts is when I was actually training in swimming. So I had my three sports, karate, tennis and swimming, all at a pretty high level uh, at the time. And I noticed when I was training on butterfly, uh, I got a real sharp and aching pain in my sternum just after one lesson. And weirdly enough, after a quickly as three days uh, a lump popped up and I just thought you know being a child this was my body's way of you know healing it maybe I've sort of pulled something but it, it was really quite painful it felt like someone was pulling away at my sternum it was like someone was ripping my chest cavity out it, it was really really painful and 
I was very protective over this this lump because it was absolutely agony when when I even touched it or even sort of moving on my clothes so I was very protective of it and um I spoke to our our mother and sort of showed her and said yeah this lump's come up after after swimming it, it hurts and my mum sort of said well look um if it's still there after a week um, and it's still causing you discomfort we'll get it checked out at the GP so of course that happened um spoke to a GP didn't know what it was and this was back when I was really young so what well, I was in my in my teens right his first start start the journey was when I was sort of l- late in my late 12 year, years old so like nearly 13 was was the start of the journey I think it was when you started your 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 treatment when you were 14 so I think right. you were 13 turning 14 if I remember correctly because yeah. I That's was 17 it. and I was um I well I was actually 16 when yeah. when it first became a thing but I was 17 by the time you were going through your treatment because I remember practicing for my driving license oh uh, yeah and getting course. my car and it all happened at the same kind of time same time yeah that's it yeah so it was about 18 years ago right is that right yeah. Yeah, it must be about 18 years ago. So this must have been around 2004, right? Um, roughly around that sort of time. So sort of early noughties. Um, so no one knew what this was, by the way. So I, I went to several GPs and they initially thought this was like a cyst or a, they called it a ganglion, but a cyst, a lumpy um, tissue of a fat, fatty tissue, basically a buildup. Um, so this went rumbled on for quite a while before I actually got this properly removed and finally went under the knife and they said, yeah, we should better remove that. Um, but we're going to put you under on general anesthetic. And they had it out and I was like, bro, that part of my life is over. And I can remember it, it wasn't even comfortable having that lump for other reasons. Like, you know, at school, we all know what people are like. People would pick on me at PE because I had this big lump on my chest. Um, little did they know, and little did I know, that that was actually a tumour. It was a malignant tumour once they took it out. So all of it happened like that from there on in. I was in the Marsden, and they said, this is a malignant tumour, and it is what we call Ewing's sarcoma. So Ewing's sarcoma is basically a bone and tissue cancer, and that effectively sort of will eat away your bones and your bone marrow. So it was very rare, but very aggressive and unique situation to me. It was it was sort of encapsulated in a in like a membrane, but they said we need to literally get you in now and treat you with quite an extensive uh, course of chemotherapy. And then quite an extensive course of radiotherapy. That's effectively what I had to endure, or that was my program. But what we're going to explain in this is the steps to get to that. They're a lot more intrusive than just, yeah, look, you're having chemotherapy for a year and then you'll be fine. Because there are many, many steps from an emotional point of view but then a physical point of view of, of what these doctors actually have to do to you yeah um and if i remember correctly um you got called in and everyone was kind of blindsided and they were actually really alarmed that they'd operated and taken this out without 
testing it first, if I remember correctly, they only found out after they removed it. And it was just lucky that they didn't pop it, essentially, and that it didn't spread it. It remained encapsulated. They were going to look at taking out the keloid scar and things like that. But the procedure that I had straight afterwards was like, you know, it was sort of all guns blazing. We now need to get you. We need to extract bone marrow. Uh, for any of you that have had this, it's actually quite... It's not like taking blood. They have to literally put in big, thick needles about that long into your bone, uh, puncturing your bone and extracting bone marrow for later usage. And this was a very much a precaution because if Ewing sarcoma can escalate, your bone marrow starts depleting quite rapidly. Yeah. And it's extremely hard, especially from an NHS point of view, to try and find donors, matching donors and things. So the best option for them is to get the bone marrow out whilst you're still well deemed healthy and then donate yourself to yourself later on. So um, two weeks ago, I sadly um, got bad news that I had breast cancer. Um, so how this all came about is that about um I got married uh the week prior so four to six weeks before that I think it was six weeks before that on the 23rd of June I was abroad with Greg and um my brother my family we'd gone for a, another wedding another family wedding and um we were in Cyprus and just probably because I was putting a lotion on and things um I felt a lump and it when I pressed it it hurt and I kind of knew almost straight away I think subconsciously you know and maybe it's also because of what Greg went through and the fact that Greg's lump he always said how much it hurt and how he kind of knew it wasn't right and I felt a similar way um I asked my mum to also check and she was a bit worried obviously having gone through what we already went through with Greg and so um it came at a super busy time for me because I was getting married but I'm also nearing the end of a PhD where I have quite a lot of different um publication opportunities talks things like that so I had a lot to do before I got to my big day as well so I was trying to juggle um, these things and um, well, I did get it seen a couple of weeks later. Um, the local nurse was, or my local GP wasn't happy with it. And so referred me to the Marsden and then um, the Marsden, they wanted to, um, do a uh a, a sort of I can't remember what they're called Greg what are they called biopsy isn't it no it was before that they sort of um well yeah they they did do a biopsy you're right but before the biopsy they had um uh ultrasound machine uh, right yeah um so the ultrasound came back and it didn't look right and I could just tell by the body language and and faces not so much what they said but everything else that it wasn't good 
So I was already ready. So they took a biopsy on the Monday, which was the Monday before my wedding, which was a Saturday. Um, I had the wedding. We went away on our honeymoon for the week. And then on the Monday when I got back, um, I had my appointment where I got my news. So that's how it happened. It obviously, it was really tragic timing when they told me. I think they were surprised by my reaction because I was kind of very matter of fact about it. I didn't cry. I didn't. I didn't physically look particularly shocked. I don't think. I just wanted to know. Okay, what's the next steps then? If that's what it is. Um, and I think obviously everyone deals with these things differently. And I think having gone through it with Greg, in my mind, it wasn't like an impossibility. When I think for most people who've never had a family member have this, it it's not real. They tell themselves it's going to be okay. I guess there's a natural defense to delude yourself a little bit as well that or not want to face the facts. But yeah, coping mechanisms, 100%. And so I think, I think there was a huge shock when Greg had it, but when I had it, for me at least, I know everyone else has been really shocked, but I just felt like I knew it could happen one day to me and because I know it happened to him, so it could happen to anybody. And that was like a reality that I had in my head. And so, um, in some ways I was prepared, but in other ways, you know, it statistically, this is really unusual. Actually, the doctors were really surprised that he had a cancer and it's not a cancer that's necessarily known to be related at this point. So, um, yeah. Oh yeah, it's just the statistically how rare this is for two, well, two siblings to have something is is crazy right it's it's so rare um, I mean if it's a genetic connection then it's not rare it's not well it's not not rare but it's it's not so but as far as we currently know I mean there's no breast cancer in my family so that's what was shocking and Ewing is a rare cancer anyway and um which is what Greg had. And normally women have breast cancer when they're approaching or in menopause. Um, that's it's normally a lot older, isn't it? You're normally a lot older when, when this sort of happens, typically. So, I mean, for them, it was surprising that I was younger and that there was no medical history of it as far as we're aware. Um, so that what was more surprising and I think more shocking for them but um it wasn't a happy day <laughs> and no it certainly wasn't and it's being all made it well 10 times there's never a good time to hear this news ever but then sort of like how you just got to the point of you know getting married things are going exceedingly well for you know your husband Jack things have been going really well for yourself um, so in reference to your PhD work and sort of getting published and things in your field, 
Um, and then it's like, you know, it was like, yeah, brilliant. We've, we've made it. Now we can just sort of start the rest of our lives, settle down, achieve what we want to do and have children and things like that. And then it's just like, bam, roadblock, here you go. Yeah. And yeah. And I think, I think another thing that's quite sad really is the, is, is, is the fact that you had to harden yourself to this you know most people shouldn't even be in that situation to have to harden themselves to it but just like based based on the fact that I had to go through it you know always had that piece in the back of your mind that it isn't impossible that a similar thing can happen to me but maybe it's later yeah. and lo and behold sadly it it's yeah. happened yeah yeah and I and well it is what it is but um you did run through my mind like did I wish it on myself almost by even considering it but I mean of course that's it's a logical person I know that's ludicrous but these illogical Mm -hmm. feelings do uh infiltrate at times and I think you know the thing that was very difficult for me was that my partner and I had been together for 10 years and we had talked and planned to get married before but we weren't in a financial position and my partner had set up his own company in in 2019 right before covid hit um and it just so happened for us luckily because of what he does and his involvement in property it was actually something that helped the company not hinder it because for a while there that was very dicey because I was just become a student again (laughs) um so I didn't have a proper income and um we just uh, we had the house um we just bought Greg out because we used to live with Greg and um the mortgage and that was a bit worrying but then as it turned out it turned out that it worked out for us and so it was finally at a point where we felt that we could afford that and we were moving we'd moved house to have our own place and Jack proposed during COVID because COVID ruined his proposal the first time so that was pushed back and then we couldn't really consider getting married the next year because as a pragmatic person I knew that COVID was going to be going on for a couple of years so I, I already knew that so we set the wedding for two more years to hopefully be out of it and obviously that has kind of backfired because the other thing about the breast cancer which isn't often talked about at all is the fertility issue so when you go through certain treatments that can make you infertile and I know Greg had this with his own the the own the reality that there was a strong possibility the chemo would make him infertile for me it's not even and it does we don't even know yet at this point if I'm going to need chemo because it depends on a few things which we'll talk about but for me I'm going to have to go on hormones as soon as they operate and that means that for the next five years minimum but could be 10 years I will not be able to have children yeah, it's always a really, really tough thing to grasp with. And, you know, fortunately for me, you know, just having the advantage of being male, there is more fertility things that can be done for men. You know, we can save semen if if needs be. Um, 
and that there are more things that that can be done it's quite successful when when you when you freeze semen and then fertilize later on that's got pretty good success rate right and I, I was told I'd be an 80% chance of being infertile and even at a young age before I'd even started my life. You know, we've all sort of got plans as kids. You know, ideally we want to, you know, we sort of know if we do want to have at least have the option of having children, but to have, mm. have that just taken away from you by no fault of your own is like really quite devastating, even at a young age, before I was even anywhere near ready to have children. Yeah, that I think really- that's why it was so difficult for us because we knew that we wanted them and we were planning for it and we were literally on the cusp we were gonna start trying this year this year next year so the other unforeseen consequence is that I'm having to undergo um, IVF now fertility they're gonna capture eggs and well I'm in the middle of that process right now it's all happened very quickly in the last two weeks because they can't operate and start my radiotherapy or hormone treatment until I've potentially frozen some eggs and embryos, which, you know, is a really positive thing that I even have that option because that option hasn't even been there that long. So I am very, very grateful. And I am, I understand that if I was born at any other time or I come from another country where medical, medical facilities are not what they are, where we are, um, and even if I was living in a different county, my options actually would be slightly reduced because in the UK, the counties have slightly different rules too about things. But essentially where I am, I'm in a great position. So it is positive overall, but there are lots of things that they don't tell you about. And a lot of things that you have to go through emotionally as well as physically that I think we will start to discuss now because it's not just the cancer treatment that I'm having to live it with um, and go through, but it's also the fertility side and those implications, because sadly, I am at the perfectly wrong age. Had I been actually younger in my early 20s or something, not in my mid 30s, then my fertility, as long as I didn't have chemo, had really good chances of coming back. Um if I was going through menopause and I'd already had my children, then I would have my children. So there is a whole other level of this that we'd love to to talk about. And the um, and actually what I'm going through physically as well as, as mentally, because I think everything's been a surprise. And if any, I, I know that to some point, um, ignorance is bliss. And I think sometimes they try to tell you not too much stuff because it can be scary. But for me personally, the type of person I am, I would have appreciated knowing because the more I know, the more I can prepare with uh, for, and I can live with that. With knowing what I knew with Greg and his treatment, it had helped me. So I'm hoping that actually talking about this from the real as well is actually helpful to people. 